Let us pray. Father in heaven, you have already, by the ministry of your Holy Spirit, opened our hearts to you, to the word of God, to the worship of Jesus. Lord, now, as you've opened our hearts, so plant the imperishable seed of the Holy Scriptures in our heart that we may see great fruit come forth from that seed. Lord, I pray for fruit in our lives today from believing and trusting in the Bible. Lord, I pray especially for the fruit of belief in God and in God who in his very nature is one who provides all things for his people. Come Holy Spirit and teach us from the words of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Well, good morning, everyone. I, I have a chance to know most of you all. Um, my name is Stuart, and I've got the absolute joy of being the bishop of the Upper Midwest and of pastoring nearly 30 churches in our diocesan movement that's all about one thing. Well, we're all about the gospel. And the way we talked about that is that we want to plant a revival of word and sacrament infused by God's Holy Spirit. So I want to bring you the word of God. We'll have the Eucharist, the presence of Jesus minister to us in Holy Communion. And may all these things today be infused by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so in our custom and tradition, the church essentially appoints different Bible lessons for us to study at different times throughout the year. And it's called the church lectionary. I'm saying that because I'm actually not preaching from a church-appointed lesson, but I'm trusting it's a Holy Spirit-appointed lesson. I, I've been thinking about the question of the provision of God all summer and how the provision of God is connected to the character of God. And we'll get into that this morning. So I'm, I'm off-roading a little bit. But I think folks in Wisconsin can appreciate that. Um, let me start with this. And we're going to look at primarily at the Gospel of Matthew. So you can go ahead and your Bibles open up to Matthew or um, in your bulletin there where the text is printed, Matthew chapter 6. Let me start with this. It was first couple years of Catherine's and my marriage. And we began then a habit that we've kept for many years of trying to go away for a prayer retreat together. So we were away for an overnight prayer retreat. And we'd done some Bible reading in the morning and some Bible study. And in that Bible study, for one reason or another, we were in Matthew chapter 6. And some of you may have had this experience before, but we were reading our Bible. And there was an experience where a particular verse just grabbed us. It's hard to describe exactly how it happened. It just leapt up to us. And we felt like the Lord was saying to us, pay attention especially to this verse. It's the verse that was just read by Father Eric in the Gospel of Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A verse that we both were very familiar with. But it was as if we had heard it for the first time that morning. And I believe the Holy Spirit ministered to both of us at the same time. And Catherine and I said, at the very beginning of our marriage, let's do this. Let's believe God for this. Let's actually try to live a life by God's grace where we seek first his kingdom. And let's see, as we seek first his kingdom, 
all these things being added unto us. I mean, could we really try to live out on that kingdom edge in such a way that we would see the provision of God that's promised in this passage and promised throughout all the scriptures? Let's, let's commit ourselves to this. And we did. Okay. When we make a commitment like that to the Lord under the scriptures, we can be sure that the Lord is faithful. We can also be sure in this life where so many things are going on that aren't of the kingdom of God and in our own hearts so much confusion because of our sin nature that our commitments to follow the word of God will be tested. So while I have literally probably four dozen different stories of how we have sought first his kingdom as best as we could and we've seen provision come, I also have four dozen stories of when that's been tested significantly and that happened last summer for us. After years of seeing God provide for us, we got into a situation last summer, summer 2018. As part of our family financial life, we made a decision we always give 10% to our local church that we're serving right away off of whatever we earn. Just that before taxes, just 10%. And then we give more percentage points to the work of missions and particularly global work that Catherine and I are very, very committed to. So we had done that and then we set up an emergency fund, which I, I suspect and hope that many of you are, have of some capacity. And we had an emergency fund set up that if some things came along that we weren't expecting, we would do that. The problem with emergency funds is we don't always have emergency, emergency funds. In other words, we had the emergency fund, but four different emergencies had claimed that fund within the course of a month. It was a car repair. It, it was a house repair. It, right? I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about because you're human beings and you're living life like I am. And by the way, I'm living life like you are. So the emergency fund had been, de you know, depleted. And yet, in its depletion, we had three other things happen, including a freak situation, an international travel where one of us missed a plane. I'm protecting Catherine. One of us missed a plane. <laughs> it was confusing. It was Poland. It was ah. And we had to get her back from Warsaw to Chicago, which is very expensive at the last minute. It happens. Another car repair. It happens. And all of a sudden we found ourselves with an expense of $3,200. And we're committed to not going into any debt besides our mortgage. And I didn't know what we were going to do. No funds in the emergency fund. Indeed, even that missed plane had happened on a ministry trip that we were on. I thought, man, God has always provided for us, but somehow this time... I'm not sure. This may be the first time, and I have to tell you, I authentically believe this, where he may not provide. I can't see how this is going to happen. Okay. Let's just keep Catherine and me there for right now. Okay. I promise we'll come back to Catherine and me and what happened. But actually what happened to Catherine and me is less important than what we learned about God in that process. And so what I want to do now is rather than talking about the specific provision for Catherine and me, I want to look at the specific provider because that's the priority in the scriptures more than the provision is the provider himself. So we will come back, I promise. And I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 and the teaching of Jesus here about the provision of God. And what I want to teach from Matthew chapter 6 are simply the teachings of Jesus that if we seek first God's presence and power, 
which is one way to think about the kingdom of God. If we seek first God's presence and power for our lives and the lives of others, we will always have what we need to live a kingdom life of seeking first God's presence and power for our own lives and the lives of others. And I'm hoping that as I teach this morning from this passage, you will get more excited, you will get more energized. Maybe you need a renewal of energy to give your life for the kingdom and for others. And I hope as I teach on this that somehow or another by the miracle of God, you'll be less anxious about the things that you do need. Let's look at Matthew 6. Uh, I'm going to break it into three parts. Uh, First of all, he sees. God sees. Verses 25 to 32. Second, we, kingdom first followers, we, kingdom first followers, we seek. The first part of verse 33. Third, he provides. Second part of verse 33. Therefore, I tell you, verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. Okay, this is, this is good. So the word anxious and the reality of anxiety is so pervasive and so powerful, has been since Jesus taught on this, so it's not a new thing, although our poets have definitely termed this era the age of anxiety, that we hear that and we go, oh my goodness, thank goodness, this is about anxiety. I need help with anxiety. Well, I think this will help with anxiety, but I don't think this teaching is primarily about anxiety. I think Philippians chapter 4, when Paul teaches about do not be anxious about anything, is more about anxiety. I think this is about God's provision. Which, because of it and his character, can indeed make us less anxious. But it's, the, it's in the opening of his teaching, but it's not actually exactly where Jesus is going to end up. Do not be anxious about what you eat, what you drink. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Okay, look at that first word in verse 26. It's put in the beginning of that verse in the translation. The word is what would be called an imperative. Look. Jesus is giving us a teaching directive. I'm asking you to be people who look. Now what will he describe? He'll describe birds of the air. He'll describe lilies of the field. He'll paint a picture of provision. But primarily what he'll be describing, look at verse 26. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Look then at verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What is Jesus saying? Yes, look at the birds, look at the the flowers, and it is a really fine piece of poetic rendering. But he's saying primarily is look at your Father. Look at your Father. And what he's saying is look at your father who's looking at you, who's providing for you, who is filling creation with those that are provided for so that when you see your father, you should see your father seeing you. I've been under the ministry of a remarkable spiritual director over the last three years. One thing he's taught me out of his tradition and custom is to see God seeing me based on the beautiful truth that Before we loved him, he first loved us. And indeed, we can render from that, before we looked at God, he actually first looked at us. By the way, parenthetical, I highly recommend spiritual direction. But I highly recommend you only see spiritual directors that can be recommended to you by your leadership here. 
Because first resurrection is a beautiful and powerful gospel possibility. It can also be a very confusing uh, place that is marked by a lot of theological confusion. So I mentioned spiritual director. I'm grateful for the gospel one I see. We want you to be involved in that. Just see a gospel one and, and your leadership here will help you with that. Okay, back here. So we start by seeing God who is seeing us, seeing our Father who is seeing us. And we begin with that. We settle in that. Let's go with Genesis 22 and just go over there in your bulletin with me. We're not going to spend a lot of time here, but this is important. I want, what, I, what I want you to see now, we don't know, we don't know if Jesus was, was using this text as a kind of, um, you know, a launching off point specifically. Was he thinking as he taught this of, of, of Genesis 22? Perhaps. But what we do know is this is a theological bedrock for what Jesus is teaching out of the Old Testament scriptures. And here we have the story of Abraham and Isaac. We have the story of Abraham being asked to sacrifice Isaac. And then we have the reality that God does what? He provides. He provides a ram for the sacrifice. This is so central that God is a God who provides, that Abraham sees what God has done, and the mountain is named Moriah. Look there at the very last part of this. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, now it's called Moriah, on the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. There's an important word here, Moriah, that actually stems from a Hebrew phrase, Yahweh, the Lord, Yahweh, Yaira, provides. Moriah, Yahweh, Yaira, the Lord provides. Abraham is saying this is the character of God as evidenced in this most remarkable moment, one of the most foundational stories of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Lord who calls us to sacrifice everything will indeed provide everything we need that we might sacrifice everything. That God is intrinsic to his character, one who provides. He is the Lord who provides. He is Yahweh Yaira. He is the God who provides. But provision and the God who provides in the Hebrew language is also the word sees. They're actually completely connected within the linguistic structure of Hebrew. So the God who provides is the God who sees. And you'll note in the ESV version of your Bible that it says there at the bottom, this is also the God who sees. The God who sees you. See God seeing you. This is not a sentimental nicety that I hope makes you feel better. This is actually theologically and biblically grounded in one of the most foundational stories of the Bible, Abraham and Isaac. I will name the God who has named me. Abraham is basically, I will say this is the God who sees, who sees me. So it is important in your life to cultivate the regular habit of seeing God seeing you. Isn't this the bigger question when we're waiting for God's provision? And I'm not just speaking of financial provision. I'm thinking of provision of all kinds, relational provision. Emotional provision. That's an important provision, emotional provision. Health provision. Isn't the bigger question, even the bigger question than will God provide this question? Does God see? Does he see? That was my question in my $3,200 deficit. Does he see that we were trying to serve him on our way home from Poland? Does, does he see that we innocently missed the plane? Does, 
Does he see that we can't handle all these repairs? Does he see that we have a 125-year-old house? Does, does he see that we're doing our best to give generously to the church and to the nations? Does he see what's happening? And honestly, my, my feeling at that time was, I'm not sure he sees. I'm not sure he sees me right now, sees me. And that rocked me. That was a month as I waited on the Lord of significant spiritual anguish. I'll tell you how we handle this. We will get to that. Now I'm hoping that many of you have had some place where you've known that God has seen you. You've had a Bible reading time. You're like, oh, Lord, you spoke to me in that Bible reading. Lord, you, you spoke to me in prayer. You, you ministered to me at Oasis. You, I, I, I knew your connection with me in Holy Communion. You've had some place where you know that God has seen you. And I want to say, don't just view that as a wonderful experience that you once had. I want to say, go back to that wonderful experience as a place in your life where you've met the Lord and connect with it again. Remember it, which is a big part of the Christian life, is remembrance. Enter back into, God did that. Remember when it happened. Write it in your journal. This was happened for me in Brazil. We were on sabbatical three years ago, thanks to the generosity of the diocese and, and of, of, the, of the cathedral and the provision of God. And we were on the beach in Brazil where my wife grew up. And the kids were all playing in the water. And I was just sitting there on the beach, just, just enjoying watching them play. And then out of nowhere... I had what was a physical sensation of someone behind me, and I was kind of sitting there like this, someone coming up behind me almost like I do with my kids when they kind of lean back on me and I, I hold them up. And I felt like I could lean back and I was being held up. And it was very strong sensation out of the blue. I mean, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't even praying at the moment. I was just enjoying the beach. Lord, this feels like you, I said. And in fact, the Lord said, and, and I, I don't think the Lord often speaks in American vernacular, but I felt the Lord said to me, I've got your back. I've got your back. Whew. Which communicated to me, I see you. You need me to have your back, I know that. And I, I see you. I've got you. He sees. He sees our need for beauty. That is part of the poetic rendering that Jesus gives us. He, he sees our need for the lilies of the field. He sees our need for birds that, that gather. These are beautiful realities. And it's important to know that while, yes, he does see our need for clothing and our need for food, which are basic essentials, you may say, well, that's great, but I have clothing and my Western cultural situation. I, I, I have food, but there's other things that I deeply need. And it's as if the Lord wants to make clear, well, one of the things that you need as a human being is beauty. And he actually provides that for you. Now, beauty is not to be lusted after. Beauty is not to be kind of sought and gained by our own grasp. But beauty is to be waited upon for the Lord who gives it to his people. I love what Martin Luther, the 16th century Christian thinker said, he said, the birds and the flowers preach to us and smile at us lovingly just so we'll believe in God. So now, 
We, have, we see God seeing us, and in that relationship, Yahweh Yair, the God who provides, the God who sees, we then are empowered to seek. Let's go to the, the, the gemstone, the, the cornerstone of this particular teaching. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To seek the kingdom, which is such an important Jesus teaching phrase, but often somewhat inscrutable, to seek the kingdom is to seek the reign of God, which is a common New Testament theology response. And it's a good word, but it's still a bit abstract, I think. The reign of God is this. The reign of God is the presence and the power of God. It's the culture of God's presence and power. It's a culture, it's an ecosystem, it's an interrelated way of living our lives within the presence and the power of God. It's lived out primarily in the life of the church, the kingdom of God. And so if we seek first the kingdom of God, here are two questions you can ask yourself as you are desiring to seek first the kingdom of God. First, what can I do in my life that I can only do by his power? And there's lots of things that because his, his, he's given a kind of common grace to all of humanity, because he makes the universe run, there are certain things we, can, we have to do by his power. But I'm thinking specifically of his power and presence activated in my life. There's many things I can do without his power. He's given you talents, he's given you gifts, he's given you abilities, he's given you relationships. There are things you can do without his power, his specific Holy Spirit power. But what can you do only by his power? And once you've answered that question, the second question is, are those things that I could only do by his power first for me? Are they leading my decisions? Let me give examples. For me to witness about Jesus to others requires his explicit power. And that might be surprising, even if we've never met before. I'm up here and I'm preaching and I'm very animated. And you might think, oh, this guy is crazy extroverted, which I am. I'm also crazy intuitive around social situations. So for me to raise a witness to Jesus in a social situation is actually quite agonizing. Because I can feel the minute someone goes, whoop, no, uh, eep, that was awkward. Right? My life's all about avoid awkwardness. Like I should get up every morning and say, seek first the kingdom of God, but I often get up and say, avoid awkwardness. That's, that's my motto today. And I know awkwardness. I, I can see awkwardness a mile away. Oh, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid that awkwardness. So for me actually to share my faith on the many airplanes I'm on, although it's harder and harder with all things earbud, but for me to share my faith with my Uber driver, for me to do those things, I actually need the power of God. So I need to be aware of that. That's one way that I can seek first the kingdom is by seeking to do that. You may need the power of God, and you cannot live without the power of God to overcome destructive or sinful habits. You need the power of God to rebuild a marriage. You need the power of God to live in a holy and pure way as a single celibate. You need the power of God to trust Him amidst a life of loneliness. You need the power of God to provide financially that $33,200 that you planned to have when the moment came, but now you don't have. There's something in which you need the power of God. What is that? Name that. Prioritize that in your life. And that will help get you to Jesus' teaching, seek first the kingdom of God. But it's not just that that our Lord taught, right? You tracking with your Bible? And his righteousness. Okay. His kingdom is inscrutable. Righteousness is super inscrutable. Like, what does it mean, righteousness? And it's all over the teachings of Jesus. Well, kingdom of God equals God's reign. So righteousness equals 
kingdom living or right living or living in accordance with the presence and the power of God, but especially for others. Righteousness has an others element to it. So we're seeking for the kingdom of God for our own lives, but we're doing so for others and for the sake of others. We're living our lives for others. We're seeking God's power so that we can serve others. One of the key callings of every Christian is to be used by God to help alleviate the suffering of others in their illnesses, in their poverty, in their depression, in their fear. One of our callings is to be agents used by God to alleviate the suffering of others. That's part of seeking His righteousness. And there, by the way, if you think, oh, well, I'm not called to this certain way of relieving people's suffering, there are a million ways that people suffer, and there's a million ways to help alleviate their suffering. Be creative about it. But be after it with his righteousness. One, one thing for Catholic, a very practical thing we do, is besides our giving to the church and our giving to the work of, of mission, is we every month set aside money for a Holy Spirit fund. May you do the same thing. It's a little Holy Spirit fund. We put money in it every month. And then we're ready to say, okay, we want to give this money to somebody else. And it has been such a joy for years to go, hey, let's give to this family whose refrigerator just broke down. Or let's give to this work of this friend in Africa who's working among orphans or whatever it is. And that helps us pragmatically, concretely to seek first the righteousness. So now we see that with this promise, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, comes, comes this fulfillment. And all these things will be added to you. I've taught you guys before, right? When you read your Bible, you got to figure out the questions you want to ask your Bible. So I have two questions when I read this phrase alone. What are all these things and how are they added to me, <laughs> right? It's just good Bible reading. There's two questions. What are all these things? Well, clothing, food, birds and lilies, beauty. But we know that it's more than just that because... God provides a ram for Abraham. That wasn't clothing. He didn't need the ram's wool. It wasn't food. He wasn't hungry. He's actually extremely wealthy. Abraham had massive wealth, amazing wealth that he used for God. So it wasn't either of those things. It wasn't really beauty. It was, it was what, what did God provide for Abraham in the pinnacle provision story? What did he provide for him? Everything Abraham needed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What are these things? These things are everything we need that we can seek first the kingdom of God. Is that what you have here, and this is the kind of sacred cycle of the kingdom, that you seek first the kingdom for yourself and for others as you do so and don't worry about the things that you have to have to live. God will provide the things that you have to have to live. He provides those things. You go, oh, he did it. The Lord provided it. He is Jehovah, Yahweh Yireh. He is the God who sees. And in doing so, I'm ready to seek first the kingdom of God even more and for other people. And he provides again and you get into this sacred cycle of life that moves from one place to another. So it's constantly feeding your heart to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and your faith that he will provide. Because he provides everything that you need for that. Which means he doesn't provide everything that you want but he absolutely provides everything that you need to fulfill what he's called you to do. He calls Abraham to sacrifice his son. Abraham prepares to do so but God doesn't want him to sacrifice his son. God's not a pagan God. God wants his heart, God wants his spirit, God wants his mind. And he provides for Abraham everything Abraham needs to continue to follow God. Those are these things. That's the power of these things. 
Now there are times when God does not provide. And in that there's provision. And I can't teach on that because it goes somewhere else. But it's important to identify there may be things that God has not provided. Or the purity hasn't provided. And it's very important. And we're, we're teaching on that at Resurrection this month if you want to hear some more teachings on provision. I, I can't do it all in one sermon. Okay. But I do want to identify that because it can feel very real. Why has God not provided this? That's a very important question. And that needs pastoral ministry and pastoral care and further Bible teaching. These things will be added. We're now at the end of this phrase. And all these things will be added to you. This is a kind of kingdom addition. The addition works like this. Here's the left side of the equation. God see, my, my left side. God sees plus we seek equals God's provision. It's actually very simple. God sees plus, and that's first in the equation, plus we seek equal God's provision. This is how kingdom addition works. This is how this is added to us. So what do we do when we're here? When we're on this side of the equation, how do we live our lives? Well, let's get seriously real about this. This is the agonizing place. This is the waiting place. This is the does God see me place. This is the no matter how many times people have told me God provides, I've heard God provides, he has provided. I'm on the left side of the equation and I'm looking at that side and I have no idea how to get from here over this equal sign to here. I can't get here. This really matters in the Christian life. And many of us spend a lot of time on this side of the equation and we start to despair and we start to wonder, is God going to see me this time? And even a sermon like this can make you feel, oh, this is even worse. Well, maybe we'll be a little bit less worse because I'm naming this. We're on the left side of the equation and all of us will be here at one point or another. And we're saying, God, how will you provide? What will you do? What do we do in that space? Well, first of all, you saturate yourself. Saturate yourself in the stories of the God who provides. Story is much more than an ornament in your life. First of all, you saturate yourself in scriptural stories. In the inspired word of God stories that God will provide. You go back to Abraham and Isaac. Go to Genesis 16 and the amazing story of Hagar. Who names God, the God who sees as well. Go to the stories throughout the New Testament of God providing again and again and again. One reason why Catherine and I have saturated ourselves and our children's minds in missionary stories is it's in missionary stories that we see the gospel that God provides. We see those who are in one way, there's many ways to seek first the kingdom of God. I've given many examples. But one way they've sought first the kingdom of God and they've seen God provide over and over again. You have a theology of the character of God's provision. And so many beautiful missions. We saturate ourselves in those stories. We ask testimonies of others. How have you seen God provide? Saturate yourself in those stories too. Gather kingdom first prayer partners. If you're on the left side of the equation, don't you dare stay here by yourself. This is your responsibility. God doesn't intend for you to be by yourself here. But you have to act. You have to find who are those kingdom first people that are also seeking first the kingdom of God. And how can I gather them to pray for me? When we were in the left side of the equation in summer 2018, we gathered people that we know are kingdom first. They're also seeking first God's kingdom righteousness. And we said, you've got to pray for us. I didn't put it this way because I hadn't written a sermon yet. But we're on the left side of the equation. 
and you've seen God provide on the right side, can you bear testimony as we gather around us and pray for us and help us wait on God to get us there? And help us have the imagination to see how God will provide, which may not be how we think He's going to provide? So you saturate, you gather, and then you wait. And then you wait. And as you wait, don't just believe in the provision itself. It's important, very important, but it's less important than the provider himself. It's less important, the provision itself, than the truth of the gospel, because this gets to the heart of the gospel, that God in Jesus has provided everything we need. The question in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, do you not know that Jesus, Messiah, lives in you? So when we're waiting on this, we're really waiting on the power of the gospel. That God has provided everything we need in Jesus. The cross, the resurrection, and all we need. So it's there that we wait. Trusting and believing in God. I said to Catherine, you know, maybe an email is going to come through. Sometimes that happens and somebody provides a gift. Or we've, we've, you know, we've, and, p- and people say, oh, it just happens for pastors. It doesn't just happen for pastors, but... It does happen for pastors. Someone puts like a thing in an envelope and puts it in our, our mailbox or whatever. Maybe, maybe an envelope's going to come with $3,200, $3,200. Maybe that's going to happen. How's this going to happen? And we waited, nothing, 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 nothing. We gathered kingdom first, nothing, nothing. I mean, it was, it was just building and building and building. And the captain said, you know, she reminded me that three weeks before this happened to us, we got an email from one of her friends saying, Catherine, have you heard about Illinois unclaimed property? There's a website, this, this friend said, about Illinois unclaimed property. We went on it and we actually had some unclaimed property held by the state of Illinois that equaled money for us. So you should actually, and I actually went on the website, this person said, and you can see people's names on the website. You can put their names in the search engine to see if they have unclaimed property. And the Rucks have unclaimed property. I said to Catherine, delete that email. I said, do you really think the state of Illinois is giving money to people? I mean, they, 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 this is a fraud. This is demonic. I mean, whatever, what it, you know, whatever laptop you actually put that on, get holy water and saturate that laptop. There's smoke coming out of that laptop. I mean, Illinois doesn't give money to anybody. Illinois takes your money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is this is this is a total hoax. This is a virus that's going to ruin our lives. So I said, delete it. She said, so she said, okay. But then she went around, you know, and, and wrote back to friend and said, so is this legit? I said, yeah, it's legit. So I totally forgot about it. So we went and prayed again. We were waiting on the Lord for this provision. Three weeks later, after she got in that email, I said, Stuart, maybe we should just, just, just look at that Illinois unclaimed website. I mean, it can't hurt to look at it. I mean, you're right. And maybe there'd be $200 there that would, you know, help us cover short-term things. So I went on the website and I put my name in and, and up came the page. And Catherine had $3,200 of Illinois unclaimed property. I don't even know what that means. I really don't. I don't understand stuff like that. And I showed it to some people I really trust in the legal world and the state government world. And they said, no, this is legit. That's exactly what we needed. To the dollar. Which is God simply saying, I, I see you. I'm Yahweh Yaira. I built in you over those agonizing weeks, learning how to wait, <coughs> learning how to trust, learning the fragility of your own belief, which is absolutely true. 
Jesus made us one of the most foundational promises of his ministry that's at the heart of his gospel, his good news, that if we will see God seeing us, if we will seek first his power and presence, the culture of his power and presence, that he who is God our provider will provide everything we need to continue to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's a promise to you as an individual. That's a promise to you as a church. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.